0: This is Master's Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number nine for January 1st, 2006. Hello and welcome. Thank you for downloading the latest edition of Master's Cast. On behalf of my co-hosts, Josh DeLinecourt and Katie Carty. I would like to wish everyone a happy, happy new year. 2006 has rolled around the corner and Masters Cast is here to give you a great episode, I hope, to listen to on this January 1st, 2006. I am the Shadow, also known as John Callis, or the other way around. First order of business got a voicemail. Someone was upset that we were not podcasting for two weeks, apparently.
1: Dude, it's been like two weeks since your last podcast. You guys are still doing that podcast thing image, right because it was good
0: thank you for that voicemail we had to go on a holiday break had to take a little break we apologize but you know that's what happens but look this one is coming to you on january 1st you should be happy it's a very good new year's present from us to you i hope also got some more voicemails i want to play to you now because they don't really apply to the show the show will be i will be playing in a few minutes was pre-recorded a while back and we were actually supposed to use it during the holiday break however as things happen that didn't but you will get it today and it will be on the audio adventures the audio cassette tapes the golden book videos etc of he-man and she-ra but first let's hit up those voicemails commenting on uh, some shows from weeks past
2: Hello, Masters Cast. This is Jeremy Carty. That's right, Katie's brother, better known as Germ to family and friends. Just wanted to leave you guys a message to let you know how much I'm enjoying your podcast and to respond to a few points from your episode 7, Turmoil in the Toy Box, my favorite episode so far. First of all, you intrigued me with your talk about lightning. I thought about going and playing in a storm just for you guys, but I decided against it. Your discussion about being in a car during a lightning storm, though, I happen to know a little bit about. Now, if your car was struck by lightning, it's not going to be a good thing, no matter how you look at it. But it's better than you being struck by lightning, because generally the lightning would travel through the frame of the car and only into the ground if the tires were wet, because electricity can't pass through rubber. So generally you're insulated. That's why you're safer than standing outside. But secondly... He-Man at Halloween. I had the pleasure of that. I had the costume, the sword, and the shield, which I loved and played with for many years. I don't think that the rubber suit or the cardboard mask lasted very long, but I remember playing with that sword and shield for a long time, so one glorious year I had the pleasure of being He-Man and getting tons of candy. Now lastly, your discussion of whether He-Man and properties such as it are evil well, I've always I've always been intrigued by this because I've grown up in the Christian faith and in the Baptist church, as Katie did. I like to think of myself as a recovering Baptist, but I've seen many of these people put down things like He Man, Harry Potter, anything to do with magic or sorcery or any type of mystical powers. And it always surprises me that they would be so against a property or a television show or a movie that focuses on the power of good I think the reason they do is fairly simple because it's called magic and it's called mystical powers and somewhere in our history we have associated magic with evil and with the devil or the dark one or however you want to define him but I think this can all be summed up in one one core paradigm and that is the battle between good and evil which is what He-Man and She-Ra is, which is what Harry Potter is, which is what the Care Bears are, which is what Rainbow Bright is, and which is what every religion that I can think of up the top of my head is, a battle between good and evil. And all the things we've mentioned, all of these properties glorify good, and it's they glorify the good battling the evil, and good wins. Not bad wins, good wins. So, sorry, Shadow, but Hordak would be the bad, and he wouldn't win because he's not good, even if he is the man. I just wish that those out there who were against Harry Potter and He-Man and anything dealing with magic could see that these, these shows, these movies, are glorifying the good and the light and the truth, battling the false and the lies and the evil, and that that in itself is exactly what their religion is attempting to do. So that's my two cents, you know, take it or leave it. Thanks for listening to me, guys, and uh, I'll continue to listen to you. Good journey.
1: Yay! This is Liz now from HeMan.org, and I am so excited that Shadow and Katie and Lion Court all said the same thing about ultra-conservative, claptrap, about 80s properties. Yay! You guys, have been the most amazing show because it is, once again proving that intelligent people can see the wonderful examples set in Harry Potter, He-Man and She-Ra, and other wonderful examples of literature and cartoons. So different from the crappy things that our children are exposed to today. You guys are the best.
0: Thank you again for submitting those voicemails. Just a reminder, you can do that by going to masterscast.com and clicking on submit your voice. Very easy, and you'll be able to submit us a WAV file, an MP3, or you can hit us up on Skype. And I just want to let everyone know I've got some emails about this. We do not have to approve your ad on Skype. You can still leave the voicemail if your ad is not approved because if I'm not online at the time, Skype does not tell me that you requested an ad anyway. All right, let's get into the show, and all three of us hopefully will be back next week. This show sadly does not feature Katie because at the time we recorded it it was when the problems in Florida were happening, and she was without the good old internet and phone and all that fun stuff that we sometimes take for granted. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this one. It took a lot of time to edit, so (laughs) play it proudly. Thanks. Thanks. I am John Callis also known as The Shadow and with me I also have
3: I'm Josh Lioncourt also known as just Lioncourt
0: our other co-host Rainbow Bright also known as Katie or Katie also known as Rainbow Bright is still out of, she doesn't have internet or phone access right now because of the hurricane in Florida.
3: Well, this week we're primarily focusing on the storybook records and tapes that were quite popular with the original line back in the 80s. These were produced by a a couple of different companies. Um, Hasbro did some, and Kid Stuff, I think, did the most. And we'll also be discussing a bit about the Golden Book uh, video adventures of He-Man and She-Ra, also released back in the mid-1980s.
0: Now, I know Josh and I really love these, and I hope you guys do too. And that is the audio adventures that oftentimes came with books, records, cassettes, you name it. He-Man was a merchandising beast of the 1980s, as well as She-Ra. And we got some fantastic book and tape adventures that we really want to focus on today's podcast and i think to start off we will start with basically probably the best one that was done it was it was very elaborately done it had what i thought was pretty pretty good voice acting for the cassette tapes and that would be the masters of the universe adventure And you'll be able to identify this is because it is the one that features a lovely little song on the cassette as well.
3: This particular one was released in several different formats. We should probably talk about that yes, first. Yes, yes. It was released on, if any of you remember, the old 12 inch vinyl LPs that we used to have back in the 1980s. It was released on one of those. It was released on Picture Disc, which was the 12 inch vinyl LPs where they actually printed a picture into the vinyl. Um, and that one was released in at least three different ways that I've been able to determine through eBay and, and people on various websites. It was released in a, a plain cover with front cut out to let you see part of the picture on the actual disc. It was released in a plastic sleeve cover, which let you see the entire record. And I've also been told by fans that there is one that exists that came in the same cover as the regular uh lp without the picture on it it was also released um on at least two different cassette uh versions one featuring the theme song uh complete with lyrics at the beginning and one without i own one shadow owns the other
0: and i believe mine that doesn't have the theme is a bit edited the actual story is a
3: bit shorter it may be. I haven't checked. I think um, you
0: mentioned that before. This was about a year ago, so it's hard for us to remember when we compared them. I, right, I believe that, you said it was, it was it was a little bit shorter, but I also have the records, so I'm covered
3: now. And, uh, of course, um, it was uh, narrated by John Braden, who narrated many, many, many of the Storybook records for Masters of the Universe, as well as other properties. I've got, uh, I think, a Transformers one that he narrated as well. Yeah, I
0: think all of the kids' stuff productions, book-wise, I really, I think he narrated most of those because, and yeah, I, fantastic, fantastic. So the production values on this first Masters of the Universe audio tape, I feel were were pretty good. And this was quality work that they did on this tape.
3: Well, yeah, I definitely agree. The The tape was well done. They uh, used uh, at least a couple of different uh, voice actors voicing some of the characters. The music that was uh, recorded for it is actually very good, especially for the standards of a lot of the other uh, books on tape uh, and read-along stories from the 1980s. Uh, They went so far as to record a, a theme song that's like six minutes long at the beginning of it um, that's actually pretty good and uh, complete with lyrics and vocals and uh, some nice guitar work and uh, and a lot of background music through the rest of the story as well it was very well put together good sound effects as well
0: i agree i love the music in a lot of the he-man and she-ra audio adventures you could tell that kid stuff was really putting effort into these releases it wasn't to me, it wasn't just a "let's put out books and tape" because He Man's popular, and we just need to get these out so kids will buy them. I really thought that they were actual good adventures. It's, they just really enhance the experience of the book.
3: Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, especially with the the longer uh, the longer the longer one that we've been talking about, the Master of the Universe one. That one, I think more so than than any of the others uh, of from the He Man or Shiro. Uh, releases that kid stuff did that particular one they uh, they really pulled out all the stops i think
0: and one thing about this release is the portrayal of skeletor is completely different than how he's portrayed in the filmation cartoon
3: and not too far removed from the way he is portrayed in the live-action movie we talked about last week.
0: V- yes, very good point. He is very much portrayed as powerful, very evil, very harsh. He's not cracking jokes. He doesn't have the high-pitched, whiny voice, which I, I have no problem with because I love the portrayal of Skeletor in the cartoon as well. Absolutely. But it's, it's always nice when you can have a character like that that can be portrayed several different ways. And you get the opportunity to be able to view those different sides of what personality you think Skeletor
1: uh, would have. From deep within the castle walls, Skeletor thought he could hear a sound. Softly at first, but growing slowly louder. It was a voice. No, not one voice, but rather a chorus of voices speaking as one. The voices sounded anxious, as if they sensed that something dark and horrible was waiting outside the castle walls. The sound grew louder until it reverberated through the valley and rang with a fury in Skeletor's ears. I know that sound, whispered Skeletor in a low and raspy voice. It is the voice of the Council of Elders, keepers of the wisdom and power. Of course they are nervous. They know I am nearby, and that soon all that they possess will belong to me. So sing, you fools, sing! This is the day I have dreamed of all my life. By sunset, I will be the master of Castle
3: Skull. Definitely, and uh, I don't. I wish that there was some credit given to the actors portraying the characters on these Kid Stuff records, but uh, wh- whoever it was playing him um, definitely did a good job of capturing a very sinister, dark, uh, darker side of the Skeletor character.
0: Yes, I-, I agree. I really wish there would have been credits either in the book or actually stamped on the tape. Like you mentioned, John Braden, that's basically the only name we get on the cassette tape since he was the, also the producer of the entire story. But it would be really nice, and it's very sad that books on tape, or even if they could do, they would do them now. I assume as books on CD for, for kids, they they really don't do these anymore, and kids stuff isn't even around.
3: Yeah, the last one that I'm aware of that I um, actually picked up was back in 1999. Uh, they did one for the release of the Phantom Menace film. Ah, uh, that used uh, dialogue from the film. Uh, in the story, it's a, it was about the same, like about ten or twelve minutes. The same length as a lot of the ones back from the '80s, and I don't think they've really done any since then. And I just, and that one was probably trying to capitalize yeah. on those '80s kids who remembered having the Star Wars ones from yeah. back in the day.
0: It's just I, I vividly remember going to uh, National Record Mart at the local mall, which was just another record store like Fye or Sam Goody, etc. And I believe they're out of business now, too. But I would go into National Record Mart, and they would have that whole wall, wall, section of the wall, devoted to the books on tape for kids. And I would just sit there, and I would pick out the He-Man or She-Ra one, and my mother would buy it for me. And it was just great, because I could listen to it in the car ride on the way home and everything.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and I remember a similar type of thing. back uh, For me, I bought most of mine at uh, Toys R Us. Which had a huge section back then. But um, they, they had uh, a huge section devoted to the uh, tapes. And actually, I bought most of mine as a kid on record rather than cassette tape for some reason. I'm not sure why I did that.
0: I actually, I don't think I owned any of them on record. I do now because of great things like eBay. But all of mine were, I had cassette And even Kid Stuff would sell some of them as a single cassette. I got the the Masters Universe story we've been talking about on a single cassette, even though that one did not have a book anyway. But I also got She-Ra's Jewel of Light on a cassette-only release, but it also has a book that goes with it. And I don't know about you, but I I had a portable cassette player that could actually record from a microphone on there. And I would even record the TV show and put it on an audio cassette tape <laughs> so I could listen to it on the go. So that's probably why I, I you don't always need the picture to enjoy the adventure.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I actually did the same thing with my little portable cassette recorder uh, back in the day, recorded a lot of the TV shows. Um, I even for a while had the portable uh, one with Human and Skeletor stamped across the speaker. Ah, yeah. branded um, marketing. <laughs> and, uh yeah, recorded a lot of the uh, cartoons that way. Recorded a lot of my own six-year-old, seven-year-old idiotic adventures where I'm portraying every single character and humming the theme song as I go along. Very good. Quite embarrassing. Oh, and... um but yeah, I, I bought most of them back then on record. I have a lot of them on tape now because of eBay, so I'm kind of in the opposite situation that you were just talking about. Before... Going back. Oh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No,
0: go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to move off the subject, so continue going.
3: I was going to move off the subject as oh. well.
0: Right, I was going to say, before we move on to another one of our personal favorite audio adventures for He-Man, I thought we should right, well, then, sum then, up then, the plot. let me interrupt you. We should sum up the plot for... Anyone who hasn't heard this Masters of the Universe adventure we've been raving about, if we could just give a little summary of what it's about.
3: Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the writing on it as well. I thought it was very well-written as well. It's extremely well-written. I
0: could see why this one maybe didn't lend itself to a book because it's so much longer than most of the adventures.
3: It's a lot longer. Um, It's a bit more of a complicated – a little bit more of a complicated uh, story – it's also, um, I, a lot of the language used in it is definitely um, above and beyond what you would expect them to use in something aimed at you know, four to seven-year-olds or something, Most some definitely. sort of age group like that. Very well written. Um, it goes through at the beginning, which is one of my favorite things from Master of the Universe uh, storytelling in any form, be it comics or cartoon. One of my favorite things is on this uh, release. At the beginning, they go through different sections of the planet Eternia and they talk about one
0: second one second before you reveal that last week on the show we had mentioned a phrase from this cassette tape and we asked if any of the listeners knew what we were talking about I did get a voicemail from someone who did know what we were talking about and we'll play that right now
1: Hey, everyone. This is Sean, otherwise known as Thunderpunch from the .org forums. Uh, I'd just like to say that I think it's really cool uh, that there's so many other Masters fans out there and that there's a place to go to on the web regarding something you have such a strong likeness for. It's nice to go to the website and just sit and talk about the cartoon and the figures and just kind of break up your day a little bit. Um, I never thought I'd really submit a voicemail uh, for a podcast, but since I heard the third episode and John and Josh made the reference to Eternia, even in the name you can hear the magic, I just had to send a message just in case no one knew what they were talking about and so they wouldn't forget to mention it again. So uh, that is actually from the Dawn of Eternia cassette tape. I can't remember if there was a book to go with it, but uh, the only thing I have is the tape. So, Uh, Other than that, I'd just like to say everything else is great and I will talk to you all again on the forums really soon. See ya!
3: Well, thank you for sending in that voicemail, and uh, you're absolutely right. Even in the name, You Can Hear the Magic was one of the, uh, the my favorite lines from that particular uh, book talking about the planet Eternia. And that's part of the section that I wanted to talk about next. There's a long section, very well-written section at the beginning of this before you get to any of your characters, before you get to Prince Adam and Cringer and uh, later on, Mad-at-Arms and Skeletor and the other villains. There's a section where they go through, bit by bit, different areas of Eternia. If you're familiar with the cartoon, you'll, you'll know most of these. They talk about the Vine Jungle. They talk about the Sands of Time. And it gives you a little description and a little history behind each of these different areas on Eternia. And it's very well written and absolutely spellbinding. As a kid, I was totally enthralled. And they give you a little little bits of history um, about these different sections of the planet that we really don't get in the cartoon. They talk about the, an ancient civilization that was born and died out in the sands of time. Um, they give you a little bit of a history of uh, the creation of Castle Grayskull with the Council of Elders, which they is, uh gone into in more detail in another book that and record that we'll talk about probably in a little bit. And um, it was very, very, very well done, and definitely one of the most uh, most entrancing uh, things that have, that's ever been written, be it comics or cartoon, for uh, Masters the Masters property.
0: I agree. It's it's just a great, entertaining tale. My favorite part is whenever you have the voices going. The vortex. The vortex. The vortex. <laughs> That's one of my personal favorite. Uh, you should points, put a but...
3: you know, little echo on your voice when you... I, perhaps I will in <laughs> post. And the chorus, like they use in the record.
0: So another another one of our favorites is one that is simply titled Castle Greyskull. It's it's just a, about six minutes long. Fairly fast-paced adventure. but Not really an adventure, but just a kind of history lesson for us about Castle Greyskull, the Hall of Wisdom, the Green Goddess, all of that fun stuff that Uh, we really didn't get in the Filmation cartoon.
3: And an interesting thing about the the long record and this Castle Grayskull record, they don't contradict each other. The Castle Grayskull record is is directly linked into the longer story, so they were definitely trying to keep some continuity, which was nice to see. And really, um, as far as story content and the history goes, nothing in either of these contradicts anything that Filmation did after that. With the cartoon, and it's it's a, a neat a neat tie-in to uh, to sort of uh, you know, for me personally, the yeah, the cartoon is is canon. It is the the continuity that I subscribe to the most strongly of all of the mixed-up and crazy continuities that we've gotten over the well, years. I agree.
0: Out of anything, these books, the mini comics, the DC comics, the Star Comics, etc the cartoon was the marketing vehicle for He-Man and She-Ra that's what is burned into the children's brains I understand I have nothing against the mini comics I enjoy them as well etc and a lot of uh, some fans do like they prefer He-Man the barbarian they don't some people don't want Prince Adam but the fact remains is that filmation was what you know gave He-Man that push and that's what most people are going to remember that is going to be your basic line of continuity that most people are going to subscribe to
3: and uh, for me, um, these these particularly these two books, the Castle Grey Skull and the Long Masters of the Universe uh, story, both of these uh, fit perfectly and with for me personally with the cartoon continuity. And I definitely treat both of these personally as canon. And I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who would completely disagree, and uh, that's okay.
0: It's okay. One of the great things about Masters of the Universe is there are so many different on-shots of continuity going around that it it allows the, the fan to kind of have their own choose-your-own-adventure tale where they could set up points of basically how they want the story to go, and it'll all be in continuity anyway. So that's just one of the fun things. But, um, I said, um... La, la, la,
3: la. Uh. <laughs> okay.
0: So we got another. There are a few other ones for He-Man, such as Sword of Skeletor, Skeletor's uh, Revenge, Thief of Castle, Gray Skull. Just fun. He-Man in battle. Cat. He-Man in battle. Cat. Fun adventure stories. Nothing to really boast about, I don't think, but entertaining nonetheless.
3: And a couple of things that uh, might be fun to point out, just about those in general. He-Man and Battle Cat story um, was just basically a shortened version with no voice actors of the the long book with a of the a long record with a different ending. A lot of the other ones, though, did uh, include voice actors, particularly the particularly the ones from Hasbro, but some of the ones from Kid Stuff as well. It's interesting to note that in a lot of the other ones like the ones put out by Hasbro and some of the kid stuff ones, they took another take. We were talking about the different takes that have been taken on the Skeletor character mm-hmm. over the years. They had another take on the Skeletor character where he actually sounds a bit robotic, a bit like a Transformer character. It was very, very strange. And Probably um, the ones where it's most noticeable is in Thief of Castle Skull and the Sword of Skeletor. And I often wondered exactly what the rationale was uh, for those putting the those stories together as to why they opted to give Skeletor that sort of robotic uh, sound where there doesn't seem to be anything in his character design or in any of the other ways that he's been portrayed except for possibly new adventures I guess where he was sort of the cyborg Skeletor nothing uh, really that would suggest that he should have a voice like that was very odd even to me as a kid wasn't very fond of that particular portrayal.
0: Now, as of all things in any type of fan property, there are going to be things we dislike. Now, for me personally, I did not like the record that came with the Point Dread Danger at Castle Grayskull adventure. I didn't really like the voice acting. It was very stale to me, as if they were just reading the lines. The music wasn't that bad. I don't know about you, but i I can't listen to it anymore
3: i I can still listen to it. I still enjoy it it's got you know, it's a bit of nostalgia i I will say one odd really odd thing about that particular record is mm-hmm. that they it seems to be kind of a hodgepodge of both uh mini comic continuity and cartoon continuity. There isn't really anything at the any anything in it that directly contradicts the cartoon we don't but we don't see Prince Adam we have the characters speaking in some sort of weird hybrid between the way they talked in the cartoon and the old DC full comics where they spoke the the very archaic old English tis this and twas that and that sort of thing and they talk that way through you know, uh those records in in certain spots and it's a it's a they are odd. It's yeah, it's, it's highly
0: annoying is how I would describe it, but <laughs> I may be more harsh than you. And no, yeah,
3: I wouldn't I wouldn't be quite that harsh. I do like uh, you know the fact that Zodak is um, portrayed as the neutral cosmic enforcer mm-hmm. that we got mm-hmm. to know on the cartoon. Um I did like uh you know there are aspects of it that I do definitely um enjoy. I think though definitely far and away on the on that particular record um, which we should mention included two different stories a different story on each side yes yes
0: point Uh, dread and then the danger at castle grayskull
3: right two separate stories and for my personal feeling my personal view on this by far and away it was well Discounting discounting the new adventures from all of the things from the classic Masters of the Universe, and also discounting the 2000 line, it was by far the worst portrayal of uh, Skeletor. I absolutely <laughs> hated the way that he was portrayed, the voice uh, that they gave him. You know, he sounds like you know a little evil Smurf or something. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, It's just terrible. Just terrible.
0: For more information on Skeletor becoming a member of the Smurfs, please contact Hasbro. (laughs) I don't know who owns the Smurfs, but that sounded funny, didn't it? Now, anyway, there's one more aspect of the He-Man. Well, two more, but one we'll be getting into later. But one more of the actual book and tapes are the ones from overseas. Now, I have sadly I have not heard any of the german audio cassettes not that i would probably be able to understand them but something in me still wants to hear some of them i have heard at least one from the uk and i can't say i was impressed with that but i still want to hear more maybe one will surprise me
3: yeah for me uh, i'll kind of do these in the same order you did i actually have heard uh bits and pieces of the german ones um I think I even own one of them somewhere. Don't understand a word of it except for every once in a while you know you'll hear them in their German accent say something like "Mendath Arms," you know, and you're like, "Oh, that's who they're talking about right now." And aside from that, you can't really get much out of the story. They are um, definitely pretty well done. The the production values were 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 good on those. Uh, the music
0: is, f- yeah, the music was good. I believe I I've heard the music or music from them.
3: Yeah, the, music the German release is pretty good. Now, on the other uh, side of the English Channel, you've got uh, in Britain they released uh, a lot of Ladybird books are yes, very popular Lady Bird. over there for uh, for the Masters. They did a lot of books. And I really like them... the
0: covers. I will say of the Lady Ladybird books, they're very
3: filmation style. And uh, the the Ladybird books were very popular over there and some of them came with cassettes and when I visited England back in 1987 um, when Masters was still going strong uh, I picked up one of these from over there called Skeletor's Ice Attack Um, it's the only one that I've ever been able to obtain they had a lot of them there that day and I have been looking on eBay for years trying to pick up some more of the uh, of them with the cassettes still in uh, playable condition, and I've not been able to get any more. I really enjoyed, actually, the Skeletor's Ice Attack. Um, the production values were pretty good. The voice acting was okay. Um, they were definitely trying to mimic the voices from the Filmation cartoon, sometimes with more success than others. Uh, but, you know, Skeletor kind of has uh, the same. Sort of uh voice Merman has the same sort of voice um, the story itself is um is pretty well done merman goes uh puts together a plot to freeze the water around a ship that the royal family uh, Randor, Marlena, and Prince Adam are on out at sea um and sort of trap their ship in an iceberg, which is kind of an interesting and new idea. And um, it uh, works out pretty well. The strange thing about this is that Shadow mentions the filmation style covers. I mentioned the filmation style uh, voice work in it, and yet there are things that are very contradictory um, to the filmation continuity. In this particular story, Tila is portrayed as sort of a uh, sort of a sorceress type character. She's uh, available on the boat and uses her snake staff to communicate with uh, the ma- mammalian uh, sea creatures to have them help out with the problem that they are currently in in the story and uh, so she's sort of a telepath and has magical powers which of course she had none of that in the filmation cartoon despite being the sorceress's daughter. So it was a it was a, it was a good book and I, I enjoyed it. The music was um, also, if you listen to it carefully, completely different from the filmation and certainly not as high quality as the filmation uh, music. But definitely, that that was the feel that they were going for. The main theme on these tapes definitely you can hear where okay they they listened to the the cartoon theme and they wanted to do something similar, even if it's not as high quality.
0: Now, one thing that Mattel did, which I thought was a great idea, and I kind of wish they would have done more of these, was they released a mini book with a cassette called Power of the Evil Horde, and it used Filmation voice actors, it used the Filmation music, it completely contradicts the Filmation show, but I still... In many,
3: many aspects.
0: We can count them, probably not even on our fingers, but... So much continuity sliced up there. But love the adventure. I love how it was put together. The, art, the book art is done by Bruce Timm, who many will know from Batman the Animated Series. And it's, it's a fantastic book, fantastic production, because it's using the Filmation voice actors and the Filmation music. How can you not like this book?
3: Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I I really uh, very very much enjoyed it. I've I've gotten to hear it. I do not own it, unfortunately. Uh, wish that I did. And uh, it was yeah, it was well done. The the it it is a little strange, hearing, the voice actors you know John Irwin and Alan Oppenheimer etc etc, portraying these characters that we we know so well from the cartoon, mm-hmm. where the characters are written and portrayed completely differently than they are in the cartoon. The dialogue does not sound anything like you would have expected to hear on a Filmation cartoon. Yes, um, it's
0: it's dumbed down a bit, and it's not as fluid or as eloquently written as a lot of the writers on Filmation. I mean, you had a lot of great writers on Filmation. Absolutely. What I don't like, obviously, since I have no problem with She-Ra coming into the Masters of the Universe mythos, is this completely contradicts the Secret of the Sword origin. He-Man gets, has to go to the Fright Zone because Hordak captures Orko. And the, the way to get to Etheria, he uses this magic leaf from a tree that the Sorceress gives him. And it's basically a selling book for the Fright Zone and the Horde. But, you know, you don't have any mention of She-Ra, Adora, any of this stuff. Etheria just seems to be like another dimension and I'm I'm not supporting that at all.
3: Yeah, that part of it was uh was a bit disappointing and odd. And there's there's definitely no way to reconcile this book with the filmation continuity. But it is an interesting piece and it is fun to listen to.
0: Yes, definitely fun, definitely sought after by fans. It is rare. I have the book my original from childhood, which I wrote my name in. As a, In crayon or something, or marker. <laughs> but it's a great read just to have as a little, you know, I don't know what to say. Collector's piece. A collector's piece, there you go. Now, we've been mentioning how you said the ladybird books try to mimic Filmation's style. The She-Ra audio tapes from Kid Stuff, I thought... Fantastic! They mimic the Filmation voice actors pretty well. Hordak, Shadow Weaver. uh, They sound a lot like Filmation. I mean, you can tell they were trying. And the music in She-Ra's was well-produced as well, I thought. The best story, to me, would be Revenge of Catra.
1: Once She-Ra and her friends were standing before Hordak, the Princess of Power spoke up in a strong voice that echoed through the cave. We have brought Catra to you, Hordak. We have acted in good faith. Now we demand that you return, Glimmer.
2: Demand?
1: Demand? you are in no position to demand anything. Guards, seize the rebels. She-Ra, you are mine. In that very instant, She-Ra flew into action. She had suspected trouble from the beginning and was ready with a plan of her own.
3: Yeah, on what you've said so far, um, I definitely, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with these. I've heard them. Um, I didn't obtain any of the She-Ra storybook uh, tapes until just the last year or two. Um, didn't have them as a kid. Don't know why. I would have loved to have gotten them, and somehow they passed me by while I was growing up. Um, I don't think the music um, is is as highly well produced as, um, say, in the the long Masters record that we spent a long time talking about in this podcast. Um, but it is good. And uh, the voice acting that you talked about, yeah, they were definitely uh, putting a tremendous effort into mimicking the cartoon. And I think, hands down, of all of the, the uh, characters portrayed in those, uh, at least the ones I've heard, the actress doing the adora shira combo um, is probably by far the the best and the you know you could almost pro- you know you could almost believe it was Melindy brett uh, in in them she's very very good at imitating
0: well uh, i kind voices. of disagree about her adora voice it does not match the foxiness of the adora <laughs> cartoon voice and i'm happy that i finally got a chance to mention that Adora is a fox. Copyright shadow. Anyway, <laughs> Revenge of Catra, I feel, is the best one. You have Revenge of Catra, Storm Over Etheria, Surprise in Whispering Woods, The Crystal Castle, and The Jewel of Light, at least from the Kid Stuff releases. I know there's also, the, there's also a Secret of the Sword adaptation, which was also broken up into two, Sword of She-Ra, Princess of Power. There was also a Sword of She-Ra release from Golden Books with a tape. But after that long list, you're saying, what is he talking about? I'm going to talk about Revenge of Catra because I feel that that was the best produced one of, out of all of the she releases. And it was really a very Filmation-type story. They, they allow Catra to be captured by the rebels. They cap, Hordak, the Horde, Shadow Weaver, capture Glimmer. And they want to do a whole trade-off between Catra and Glimmer. But of course, you know, Hordak is ready to attack. He's not going to just give glimmer back. So he lures Shira to this cave. Oh, and it's just all this great music and this scary music. Pretty scary for a, a scary music for a a Shira um release because you know your mindset is well they're going to release these for young girls more so to listen to which is probably why you have such things as the Crystal Castle adventure and Surprise in Whispering Woods and when you have She-Ra's or Adora's birthday, stuff like that. There's no real conflict going on in the book. But Revenge of Catra has the actual conflict with Hordak and everything. And I just thought it was well-written, well-produced, everything. I would probably rank that as second overall out of all of the, all of the tapes right behind the uh, Masters of the Universe long play cassette that we were speaking
3: of earlier. Yeah, the Revenge of Catra is a very good one. Um, another one that I'm not going to talk in too depth about, because it's been a while since I heard it, but I did uh, do remember uh, probably my favorite of the Shima ones that I've heard was the, the Jewel of Light one, which also kind of harkens back to what you were talking about with the Revenge of Catra. There's definitely conflict going on. It's um, it's it's definitely an action-adventure story, more so than the cutesy, let's-have-a-birthday-party type yes. stories. So, um, and I remember enjoying that one thoroughly um, when I got to hear it for the first time about uh, a year ago or so.
1: My magic staff will need at least three
2: hours of bright sunlight to charge it full of energy again. But down here beneath the trees, I'll never find enough sun to do that. The wall will last only a few hours, then disappear. And when it does... Those evil horde troopers will be waiting to
1: capture us. Oh, dear, ma, this is terrible, terrible.
0: And Jewel of Light was the first audio adventure tape I owned. Yeah, I bought that. Well, that and the uh, Masters of the Universe long play were the, f- the first two uh, I bought. I remember it vividly because my mom brought them home to surprise me with.
3: Like, look at these. Yeah, the, fir- <laughs> the first one I owned was uh, the Castle Grayskull book and record. Mm. Um, I'd been looking at it at Toys R Us for quite some time before I actually ended up owning it. It was very cool.
0: And I also did mention that the kids' Stuff put out the soundtrack for The Secret of the Sword, which, of course, featured Filmation music, voice acting, because it just took the direct dialogue and scenes from the movie with narration by John Braden on the cassettes to help speed up the story.
3: And that was also very good. I uh, owned that as a kid and enjoyed the, that uh, production as well.
0: And that was released on a record. That was released as a cassette only that came in the same packaging, huge LP-type packaging as the record did. But it had a little space to have the cassette in it. And then it was also released in book form split into two books, The Sword of she which had a yellow cover, and Princess of Power, which had a green cover for you collectors out there. Now, one one book we didn't mention, I'd just like to mention for my own personal gain, <laughs> is <laughs> I have the book for... This is the last Kid Stuff He-Man produced book, I believe, and it's Prisoner in the Slime Pit. I have the book. I have never been able to find the actual cassette for this book. I tried winning it on eBay a few times, and people outbid me. And don't outbid me, please, because I really want this cassette. But If anyone can help me get this cassette, I'd be very grateful because it is the only audio adventure I don't own for the USA releases. And I'm dying to hear this. Because I, I really want to compare it because this would have been released around the same time as the, the She-Ra ones. And the She-Ra production value just jumped so high for me that I, I feel that I assume the Masters of the Universe one would have jumped up right there with it. And I really want to hear it.
3: Yeah, I would love to hear it as well. And uh, as long as we're saying please send us things, I wouldn't mind hearing uh, some more of those Ladybird books ones as well. So if anyone knows of ways of obtaining those, drop us a voicemail or an email or something.
0: Yeah, that's the problem with the Ladybird ones is I often they're often on eBay just not with the cassette.
3: Right. It's yeah, they've always got the, the books book. up there.
0: Yeah. Now, the last aspect of the audio adventures takes the audio to your TV screen, and that would be with the Golden Book videos for He-Man and She-Ra. A lot of people don't seem to know that there was a She-Ra one released, but there were two volumes of He-Man released and one volume of She-Ra. And what these are are basically the artwork from the actual Golden Books that you would have bought in the store... They are put on the TV screen for you to see, and there's limited animation and effects, such as sometimes you'll see swords swinging, or if the sorceress is casting a spell, you'll see the little sparkly lights going around. Very, very limited animation. It's basically just paintings, if you will, from the books, but highly entertaining, I feel.
3: Well, yes, these were interesting. Um, I do enjoy them. I do watch them from time to time. Um... The first He-Man one does not um, f- it does not t- harken back to anything really filmation wise. They did they did do that more with the second volume. Uh, they do have um, for both the He-Man and Shiva releases at the beginning of each adventure. They have an introduction. Sequence, yes, yes, that's definitely similar to what we get from the filmation, and in fact, I I love, the Shira yes. one is almost word for word.
0: Yes, the He-Man one, though, I love. They have this great shot of Castle Grayskull to open it up, and it's that very, very deep, menacing uh, voiceover voice, like Castle Grayskull, you know, something like that. Oh, it's just great. If you guys don't own that these VHS tapes, you need to find them on eBay.
3: Yeah, they're very interesting and they're a lot of fun. The um, voice acting is good. Voice acting is good. the um, The stories are der- derived from a lot of the storybooks that.
0: Um, it's kind of a, some you- of the storybooks mesh together.
3: Right. Yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, trying to connect them. Uh, Caverns of Fear uh, is on. The first
2: Rock race. Warriors.
3: Yeah, the Rock Warriors. The there's quite a few, and uh, definitely when you get. Uh, to the To the ra release, um, a lot more derivative of the uh, Filmation cartoon. The, the introduction sequence, as I said, is almost word for word the same as the Filmation cartoon. And, and
0: it, it has that um, very shortened but uh, She-Ra origin story, just like Secret of the Sword. Right, very
3: similar to *Secret of the Sword*, except incredibly short—like yes. six or seven minutes. I think. Yes,
0: yeah, like she Shira in a nutshell, her origin. Yeah,
3: exactly. And uh, and so there's definitely some major liberties taken with the storyline, but uh, but they're fun. They're fun to watch. And um, I only, as a kid, only knew about the first uh, release of the the first volume of the He-Man ones, and had seen that as a kid. My um, uncle's family had owned that one. And uh, never knew that there was a second He-Man release, or a Shiro one, until uh, recently. I saw those uh, within the last few years, and uh, definitely in the the second volume of the He-Man one, they were definitely trying to uh, attract fans of the filmation cartoon. And uh, I think probably the funniest thing to hear in that one that cracked me up when I first watched it, was the guy. Uh, the voice actor trying to imitate that horrible screechy voice that Buzz Off has in the Filmation cartoon <laughs> and it's very entertaining to hear someone trying to mimic that in the in the storybook videos
0: as a child i had the first he-man release and the she-ra release then once the internet came and ebay found its way to me i was able to obtain the second he-man release but uh, they're great fun these are the type of things I like I like the audio adventures I like the cartoons I'm always a a very I'm driven that way I'd rather a lot of people say why don't you sit down and read a book but I love the way that these are portrayed you get so much more sure you can imagine this in your head but you get the audio you get music you get sometimes sometimes fantastic voice portrayals of the characters and it's just a great way to entertain yourself especially as kids I'm surprised. I mean, Golden Book did a lot of these videos, not just for He-Man and She-Ra, but for you know, Sesame Street even, and I remember seeing, and probably other 80s properties as well. But you would think, who would buy these? They're just the pictures of the book, limited, limited, limited animation. But still, you, simplicity is sometimes good.
3: Yeah, definitely. And it was taking the, the idea of the read-along records and read-along tapes to an, the next step. Yes. Making yes. it so that you didn't actually have to physically flip the pages. Yes. <laughs> essentially.
0: <laughs> Some other just basic releases that didn't have a book but are audio. Is there was a He-Man song released in France.
1: Ah, dans <laughs> le prince des derniers par la puissance de son glaive magique devient toi l'héros qu'on le grand muscle au pouvoir fantastique les maîtres de l'univers vont
0: défendre la terre contre ses ennemis tous les mauvais génies and there was also a shira song released in france
3: shira shira
1: benifaces Tu sais bien quel est ton devoir de battre pour l'éternité de l'espace pour t'incroster l'État. Il faudra remporter le grand combat. Quelle que soit sa puissance, tu mettras ta vaillance au service du droit et de la justice.
0: And now other countries got involved as well, and there was a She-Ra song done by Shusha. hope you enjoyed today's podcast and if you already don't know again we are a free podcast and we are in the itunes music store the easiest way to subscribe download itunes go to the music store search for master's cast it'll be in your results list and you can subscribe and it'll all the new episodes will be automatically downloaded for you so simple so simple so simple all the other information to subscribe free keyword free is at masterscast.com thanks for listening i'm john Callis, also known as the shadow
3: And I'm Josh DeLioncourt, also known as Lioncourt. Good Good journey. journey.